0: see you up Yeah, he's come to see you oh, I say now, Benson, Jack, Benson, Joey
1: Welcome to episode 212 of Up for Discussion, the Emotionally Honest Comedy Podcast, where we take your questions and dish out hot truths and tasty goofs. I'm Tom Zalatnay.
0: I'm Kate Bradley. And
1: we're joined over Skype today by a very special guest. She is the host of the Ready Pause Go podcast. Uh, her name is Erica Parker Price, and she was one of our raffle winners for the PodCon giveaway this year. Yay.
2: Yay, I'm excited to be here.
1: Just to be sure I got the title right, because I forgot to write it down.
2: You um, you missed one word, uh, but I did that too. So it's the Ready Pause Go career. <laughs>
1: That's it it's in smaller font on the logo right it is there we go there we go there's (laughs) my excuse (laughs) i I meant to write it down on the page because i knew i was going to leave a word out
2: well and the funny thing (laughs) is that i added it sort of at the end, because somebody in the podcasting world told me nobody will ever find you if you're a career based podcast, if you don't put the word in it. So
1: Oh, interesting. Okay. So Erica, tell us about uh, tell us about the project you're working on. Because I remember when I met you at PodCon, it sounded really, really cool. And I think our audience would probably be really excited to hear about it.
2: Yes, I'm happy to share. So the Ready, Pause, Go! Career podcast is how I'm starting my business. Um, It's basically a community that focuses on women who take a long career pause to raise their families. So I don't know what the statistics are in Canada. I know in America, it's 43% of women um, who take a pause. And then um, a large number of them actually never get back to work. And a lot of that is because there's just so many obstacles there. So I decided there's all these millions of talented, super smart women that are at home that want to go back, but just need community support, resources, all of that. So that's what my podcast is all about.
1: Sweet. Yeah, I think the, the statistics are probably similar here, although it wouldn't surprise me if it's slightly lower just because we have like better government benefits overall, and I would imagine that like affects those numbers somehow, but I, I couldn't tell you the exact numbers. Yeah,
2: well, no, it absolutely does. I mean, the United States is at the rock bottom of that. There's only two industrialized, or actually two nations in the United Nations that don't offer manda- mandated paid leave, mm. and it's uh, New Guinea and the United States. <laughs>
1: Wow. So
2: we're we're in fabulous uh fabulous company at the very bottom of that chart. Yeah. So Canada's Canada's doing way better.
1: Yeah, no kidding. As a as a new Papua over here myself, I uh sorry, that was a new guinea joke. Uh I I got to say Canada's I got it. <laughs> Canada's like parental benefits are pretty good. Um in, in fact, where we are in Quebec, it's like better than I think most other provinces, if not all other provinces. Uh, but we still only get enough for parental leave to be about 70% of the previous year's income. Mm-hmm. So like, I had to go off leave early because I just couldn't afford to be making that much less, you know?
2: So, and how, how long were you able to take and, and how long was your partner able to take?
1: Uh, so she's actually still on leave. Um, and okay. I think will be until June, unless she finds like work between now and then that's too good to give up. Um, right. I was off from November till February. So whatever that is, three months, I guess. Yeah, that's,
2: uh, that all sounds excellent.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it was, it was, it was a great opportunity in a great amount of time, but still like, even with what we've got here, yeah.
0: Yeah, 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 it's
1: not sustainable. So I can't even imagine like, yeah, like the, the reality of having to put your life on hold for, for a long time without sort of, Support. Support. Yeah, Yeah. right.
2: Well, in in my case, I had two kids um, about two years apart. And the first one, I think I took 10 weeks off and then I Mm. went back to work. Um, And I had a busy job and I traveled a lot and he came with me and it all worked well when I had just one child and I had a nanny that came with me. And then I had two children, and the wheels came off the bus. Oh, like, wow. I was incapable of that. But I did work for another year and a half. Um, and I look at it now, and I think, wow, like, I quit three and a half years into motherhood. Like, that's when some people are just getting ready to go back to work <laughs> and have government benefits. Right. So I feel like I worked through all the hardest part.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I so I work from home, and, like, even just thinking about, like, you know, it'll be a while before Toby's in daycare and and working from home means like, I'm lucky enough that I get to spend a lot of time with my baby, but also it makes me very aware of how difficult it is to work with a baby in the house.
0: Yeah. Oh my goodness.
1: Three and oh, a half absolutely. years, man. So, so what like, um, what ultimately ended up being the thing that like made you decide to just focus on family for a bit and put career stuff on hold at that point?
2: I think part of it was financial. So I had been putting my husband through medical school, residency and fellowship all that time. Mm -hmm. Um, So he was either not making money or making such tiny little bits of money that it didn't count. Mm -hmm. Um, So at some point, you know, he was um, able to support our family. He was done with school. And then beyond that, I think I just got to the point where I felt like nothing was working. You know, you're Mm -hmm. not doing well as a mom. You're not doing well in your job. Um, I was working for Intel at the time. I had, You know, I ran a program with 500 customers across North America, and I really needed to travel. Hmm. And uh, like it just, just did not feel like I was succeeding in either part. So I thought, nope, this is probably the sign that I'm ready to, um, ready to take a pause. Hmm.
1: And so when when did you feel like you were ready to get back to it? Because I'm guessing around then was when the idea for your your current business got started too, right?
2: Um, Actually, there's a little bit in between. So um, while I was home, I decided that I really wanted to pursue being a writer. Um, And so I did that. That was sort of like the side hustle while you're at home. You know, your kids get to the point where they're in preschool or school or something. Um, So I did that. I wrote a couple novels. I started a couple blogs. Um, And while I really enjoyed it, it's not necessarily an easy career to you know, become financially sustainable, <laughs> For sure, yeah. um, it's, it's much more personally fulfilling than anything else. Um, and so then I got to a point where, um, I also, I, th- I think you want, um, Everybody wants, you know, good feedback in their life that they're succeeding at what they're doing. And, um, you know, being a mom doesn't or dad, for that matter, doesn't necessarily give you that on a daily basis. Nobody's saying (laughs) kudos. Good job. Um, Trying to get a novel published. There's a lot of rejection on that front as Uh well. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So so I decided, you know, I had come out of marketing. I could probably go back into something like that. So that's um, what I decided about three years ago now. Um, and I really thought I could go back into high tech and that uh, proved not to be true. So, you know, you take 12 years out of something like high tech and Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter how much you think you've kept up with it. People are like, wow, I I wasn't even born when you had your first (laughs) job. So, um, you know, that, that hurdle was way bigger than I thought. So I did go Mm -hmm. back to work. I took a job with a general contractor. So I never thought I'd be in the construction industry, but, um, it it was good for, you know, like two years, it was good. And then I decided, you know, I really just had my own personal thing that I wanted to do. And I felt like that journey back for me had been Mm eye-opening and I just wanted to help other women on that path.
0: That's so amazing because like just hearing you say that 43% and then a lot of them don't come back like the 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 hurdles you speak of and and having to overcome that of just like okay I want to come back to the thing that I knew how to do before but oh look at that it's completely changed. Uh, Financial (laughs) commitments and all that yeah it's really hard.
2: Yeah I mean it's super hard and some of it is just perception really. I mean it's not like you know you turn your brain off when you go home or you you know forgot how to do what you were good at doing before i mean i just feel like hey you were smart enough to learn it the first time Hmm. there's no reason you can't again right that's a really good point (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, you know, if you were a smart 25 year old that got hired, you're probably still that same person. (laughs) You just have more experience now. You're you're better at multitasking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And women. Sorry. (laughs) Women also face the when you talk about perception, women face that so much of thinking that they're not good enough to apply for a job. Mm. Um, Whereas the the general rule of the white man who assumes they can do anything, and just goes on and and, and applies. um, Like I've I've had I've had a. big struggles with that of of thinking I'm not good enough to go back into any kind of art industry studio work because it's just blown past anything that I, since I stopped it. Um, and I showed like the silly animation I did it back in college to a friend yesterday. And he was like, this is really good. You should totally apply to a studio. And I'm like, I can't, I can't, there's
2: no way, you know, so I'm going to well, listen hey, to your podcast. Yeah. Come, come listen. And I mean, that's true in all businesses. I'm sure art has, uh, you know, all the same, uh, fear of rejection that writing mm. does, but in, you know, in, I know like corporate jobs, I think they say men, Men tend to apply for jobs when they only have I think it's 40% of the qualification. <laughs> and women will not apply unless they have 100%. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's so fucked up. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's like a complete huge difference. Man. But we're we're making strides yes. and uh, I think I think it's a good time for it.
0: Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, good on you for spreading the word that that's not necessary <laughs> that we don't have to be queens at everything in order to apply for a job. Yeah.
2: Nope, absolutely not. <laughs>
1: So what's been like the um what's been the biggest takeaway for you so far in in doing this project?
2: Biggest takeaway so far is I just think that there are so many different pathways to go back to work. So I think I was really stuck in the mindset that I wanted to go back to doing exactly what I did before. Mm-hmm. Um but so many people I talk to now are starting their own businesses and I think it's so much easier now. Um, Like, I'm sitting right now in a co-working space. You know, I pay $200. I get 12 part-time days here a month. Um, You know, they have rooms that you can do podcasts in. They have printers. You know, there's great networks of people here. I I think it's just... um, You can do anything like just because you came out of this career five years ago, 10 years ago, whenever it was, that Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that's what you're limited to, um, which is particularly good if it's going to be like high tech and really hard to get back into. So it's Mm -hmm. it's you know, what is it that you're passionate about? What what can the world use from you? And, you know, go find a way to make it happen. I just immediately froze in that
0: when you were (laughs) asking that question, I was like, I don't know. (laughs)
2: That's a very good question to ask. (laughs) I think we all freeze on questions, right? Oh, yeah. That's the, the, yeah. the fear being the podcast interviewee. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's interesting. Like, um, So I dropped out of school and had to sort of figure out how to have any kind of career for myself based on that because, you know, originally right. I was going to, you know, the thing that people do where they go to school and they get a degree and they get a Mm -hmm. job in their field and everything is you know sunshine and roses and instead I was like I'm gonna drop out and do creative things and then have you know a side job to pay the bills and you know almost seven years later I'm still in that side job and now I'm starting to finally like find the confidence to turn my my creative stuff into a career and Mm -hmm. and that's such a like that's a jump in and of itself, right? Without having to, without having the added weight, I guess, of having to learn new things like on a technical level that Mm -hmm. weren't there before, right?
2: Right. Well, and I think confidence is a huge piece of it. And I found that I had really relied on my job and my title for confidence. And although I felt like I was confident when that was taken away from me, and I asked people this on my podcast, like, you know, how do you introduce yourself? Like if you're at a party and somebody says, what do you do? And people totally freeze on that question. Mm -hmm. And and for a long time, I was like, well, I used to work for Intel. And I used to, you know, and it was like, oh, my gosh, sometimes you just got to get over it and own like, hey, I'm staying home with my kids and I'm happy with that. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think that we do build our confidence sometimes from the title and the, you know, whether it's I graduated from college or I have this job or I work for this network. Um, But what you really find is that you need to just have your own personal confidence and I think that's, I think that's harder to build.
0: Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I am so stuck with that right now of like, yeah. because I've actually been able to, after a long period of time, not being able to work, starting to work again. And now I'm feeling more confident and now I'm feeling right. more in charge. And I'm like, fuck, I'm still
2: reinforcing that thought that I'm nothing without right, work. Like, I, I I did this show or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Cause I've never, I've never thought about it that way, but Every job I've ever had, I've exaggerated my job title to people. Oh yeah. When when talking about it, I was a janitor for a while and I used to call myself a facilities manager. Ooh. And, and at one point I was the guy who set up sound equipment every Sunday at a church and I called myself an audio technician.
2: <laughs> but you know what I would say cuz I help people with their resumes, I remember once helping my brother-in-law and you know, he like was typing away on Word and had his resume and he's like grass cutter. And I was like, no, 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 you were not a grass cutter. You were a landscaper for this, you know, highfalutin country club. And he was like, no, I literally just cut the grass. (laughs) I was like, I I don't care. Um, And that is is actually one of the things I tell people too because one of the things people really struggle with is what do you put on your resume or your Mm -hmm. LinkedIn Mm -hmm. for that time when you did take a pause. Um, And part of it, I think, is naming it. Like for me, I did a small amount of marketing consulting work and I just, you know, I named my company. I put it on LinkedIn before I ever got an LLC because I felt better having a <laughs> consulting company name that I could lump together the couple things that I did for friends over the years. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I'd say it's okay. I'd <laughs> say it's okay to be the the facilities manager or the the audio technician.
1: Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it, right? Because like, sometimes you need to you need to give yourself that confidence boost too by by seeing your work as valuable, mm-hmm. right? No matter what size the thing you're doing is, you if you're feeling down on yourself for the kind of work you do, sometimes it's really good to just kind of take a step back and go like, okay, no, like this is a thing that needs to be done and I am capable of doing it and that has value.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, it took me years to be able to like say that I was an artist because I just didn't, I was like, but I'm not producing enough. It's not good enough. And it was like, no, no, no. <laughs> it's still a title that applies to the things that I am able to do beyond the like skill level or the, the frequency or anything like that. It still fits. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Well,
2: and, that, and that's the same thing with saying I was a writer. So I was a freelance writer and I, um, got an opportunity to pitch a story to the Seattle times and I had to go do interviews for it. And you can't start an interview by saying you're a wannabe writer or you're thinking <laughs> about writing your first article. Like you literally have to own it on the phone and say, you know, I'm a writer working on a story for the Seattle times. And you know, like you, it, and it's hard yeah. I think it's hard to say those things, but of course you're a writer, you write words, you know? Yeah. Of course yeah. you're an artist, you, you, do, you create art. So therefore you are an artist, you mm-hmm.
0: know? Yeah. I think there's like, I've always had the concern of, of, um, misleading people. And right. So, but but then I feel like it's just my perception of something that is that I'm deeming it as misleading when right. it's actually just labeling something.
2: Yeah. Right. What's right. The- and, I, and there's no ill intent on what you're. You're not trying to mislead people and say like you have a painting hanging in the Louvre or whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, well,
1: that's the the whole imposter syndrome thing, right? <sighs> yeah. But like, <laughs> yeah, you, you worry yes. that eventually someone will like catch on that you're not good at what you're doing, <laughs> yeah. even if you're not lying about what you're good at.
2: Uh-huh. Literally every single person I interview h- talks about imposter syndrome. Like, a- absolutely every single person has it. That's oh, so. it's so heavy. Yeah, yeah. B- but also kind of nice to
0: know that it's such yeah, a universal it's thing. Yeah, but right? Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, the first time I heard uh, one of my colleagues ref- say that he had that, and he, he, he's like a world-renowned comic book artist. It was like, wait, what? That doesn't make any sense, you know? So my, my interpretation of what imposter syndrome was, it was, it's almost as if I recognized that I had it, but at the mm-hmm. same time, I was like, no, but it applies to me because I'm not really that good. Right. But then seeing someone who's so good still feel like they're going to be found out as a fraud is like, wait, whiz? <laughs> it's yeah. crazy. Right? It's really powerful thoughts. Yeah, that's it.
2: It's like hearing, you know, that Barbara Streisand has stage fright. Like, I, (laughs) what could she possibly have stage fright? She's up on there killing it. Yeah, but it's like, oh, it doesn't go away. I think you just Mm -hmm. figure you just get better at pushing through it. Right. Holy shit! Is that a thing? That's true. Barbara Streisand has has stage fright. Yes. Oh my god. Yes, she says she has terrifying stage fright and always has. Oh wow. You do pretty good for that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I, I
1: guess that means that like no amount of, and, and I guess this is not actually a profound thing, but it's worth it's worth saying anyway, that no amount of external validation can make up for internal lack of confidence.
2: I, I think that's true. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I, and I, I think if you do get that external validation, it's temporary. Yes, yeah. Because say you have that job and then tomorrow you get laid off or your show gets canceled or whatever happens and, and then it's gone. Yeah. Right, Well, <laughs> Yeah. I'm just sitting in this feeling right <laughs> well, now. <I> <laughs> just to, like, how I do I, sound bad. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. Oh, so you, how, how are, are there ways that you found have been
2: uh, good to build your personal confidence outside of work? I think that one of the ways, um, and this is one of the things I talk about just for people that are, you know, wanting to go back to work in general, um, mm-hmm. networking is challenging for everybody. Um, and, and more for some probably than others. But I think just getting out there and doing it, um, the more you do it, the more it helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think there's other ways to build confidence, too. Like, I'm a big believer in, you know, building confidence through, like, you know, physical accomplishments. Mother, you know, I'm not a runner. Maybe somebody will go run a 5K or a marathon and get confidence out of that. Um, but I think, you know, finding other areas in life that you're succeeding at, c- that confidence can transfer over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I, I don't know all the mechanics behind it, but the endorphins and all mm-hmm. of that, you know, whether, you know, whether you feel good going to yoga or just, you know, being out there and taking a walk or competing, um, you know, I, I think all of that can really add to, um, you know, that feeling of confidence.
0: Yeah. I hadn't seen it that way. Cause I always, I always felt that it was like, oh, it's your body, you're healthier and therefore you're going to feel better. Mm-hmm. But associating it with building confidence is really interesting because i actually i actually squashed an anxiety attack today by getting on the bike and just doing like two minutes on the bike um right and i I, in my mind it's just like oh you push yourself physically so your mind is distracted or whatever but it's also that feeling of like no wait a minute you got on the bike you you did this so i see the link between the confidence and the physical yeah
1: well it it gives you something like tangible that you can accomplish yeah yeah that you know cuz a lot of the time the things that we have trouble with confidence wise aren't things like our ability to cut a tomato or like wash a dish right they're right. they're things like you know overcoming a mental hurdle or like you know dealing with a panic attack or starting a challenging thing that you're not convinced you can like do as the next step in your career Yeah. and and so having that like tiny confidence boost and that reminder that you're physically capable of accomplishing tasks
2: yeah 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 can be a yeah, really yeah.
1: good way to sort of like just nudge yourself, you know? Uh
2: Right. Right. And I I don't do it anymore, but I did spend, I don't know, maybe four years doing CrossFit and I was not your most likely CrossFit person, but just like going to the gym and learning that you can like lift heavy bars over your head. Hmm. It was a huge confidence builder. I mean, I learned how to like climb a rope in this, you know, giant warehouse of a building, which, you know, I was like the tiny little third grader that you know, they would put me on the rope and I, you know, would fail in the first 10 seconds. They'd be like, Oh, that's okay. You're small. You don't have to do it. Oh. You move side, you know? And, and so I, you know, hadn't been a super capable, you know, kid physically other than swimming. That was my thing. But, um, you know, but to be like an adult in a gym and have somebody teach you how to, you know, climb a rope 30 feet, like, I mean, that was an amazing feeling. 30 feet? I think so. It was way the heck up there, I know. Oh, I, I, wow. did not want, I did not want to fall, I will tell you that. <laughs> oh, that sounds exciting as fuck. Yeah, yeah that, it, that's a word it for was, it. it. It was super fun.
1: <laughs> Man, I don't think I could do that. You're not a fan <laughs> of heights? I'm not a fan of heights. I'm just thinking 30 feet is three times the height of the room we're currently in.
0: Yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, and I'm but I not, suppose the, the no. higher you get, the stronger you're latching onto that rope because you don't want to <laughs> die. Oh yeah,
2: you have it completely wrapped around your leg and everything. You're not letting go. Oh wow. But I don't know. I think it'd be fun to do. Uh, what are they? What is it that like Pink does when she per- performs, like with silks oh, or the whatever? Oh silks, or, yeah. Or, yeah. So there's a place. Yeah, there's a place in Seattle that you can go do that. I think that would be super fun.
0: Oh cool. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that rope thing is on my bucket list now. Yeah. I'm seeing it in my mind. I want to climb that rope.
2: You gotta go try it. (laughs) Yeah. And believe me, there's techniques. There are techniques that they did not teach me in third grade.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. They would just say like, just climb the rope, which is not, uh, not enough. But did you, were you like considerably physically fit before you took that challenge on?
2: Uh, no, I mean, I would say I was sort of a, you know, well, I mean, I, I, Okay. So I had been at CrossFit for, you know, probably a year or so at that time. So I guess at the time that I started climbing the rope, yeah. But I don't think you, I mean, I don't think you have to be physically fit to start. I mean, it's all, it all sort of builds. Like, you know, you, you learn how to go arm over arm, like, you know, right. Right. The technique takes over, you know, whatever. Yeah. So it's definitely a progression. Cool.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. It's funny. Um, our our guest for next week's episode, which we're actually recording tomorrow night, and who is the other raffle winner, also does a lot of CrossFit currently. So, yeah, that's oh, weird, okay, good. Well, and I, and I
2: will say, in the end, my body wasn't really uh, wasn't really loving it, so <laughs> I uh, I do other things now. But
1: <laughs> I feel that I, for a long time, wanted to be a person who went to the gym regularly, and so I would get a gym membership and I would go like you know a couple times a week for about a month and then drop it for 6 months and be so yeah. much happier while I was dropping
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and CrossFit is particularly high intensity, isn't it? It is. It's definitely high intensity and you know that that was the challenge for me in the end. I felt like, wow, I'm 40 and you're 23 <laughs> and um, my body does not perform the same way yours does. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um so it it depends on where you are and who your coaches are. I mean, I think a lot of coaches are really good at um scaling it Mm. and so that's what you need
1: and that's kind of what you need in every area of life really is is to figure out what you can do at what pace and push yourself gradually
0: yeah yeah that was a huge thing absolutely um a friend of mine is training to be a a personal trainer and and used me as a guinea pig and she really (laughs) hammered it into my head that it's like it's not oh you have to do 15 reps of this thing it's what is what is pushing you And like, if one is pushing you, then that's enough, you know, and then you build on that and it's okay to do the tiny thing. Even if you have to do that tiny thing for months, you know, if you, if three months in, you're going to do two, then great, you know, like just not, not being afraid of it, but also registering that small tiny steps are still worth something yeah even in the physical realm which is really really fucking cool yeah absolutely (laughs) i think that the
1: the best gym teacher i had was uh in high school i had this gym teacher jeff casso who uh still teaches there actually which is fun he was the type of teacher who knew which students like were the athletes and knew which students weren't and like he rather than you know favoring the students who like you know could do crazy things with their bodies, would actually really like intentionally, you know, make sure that he was paying attention to everyone and like helping people do things at their own pace and challenge themselves like in ways that worked for them. And that was huge for me because I was not an athletic kid. And like, there were guys in my class who were super buff. And I was
0: like, (laughs) I
2: can't
1: compete on the same level as these guys. And we'd be doing things where, you know, I would feel like I was going to collapse after like two or three minutes of something. And he'd be like, you don't have to do this. You don't have to do this at that level. Do what feels right for you. Ugh, and, amazing. Like, and that was huge. Yeah. That that was just so huge and and made me kind of love gym class in a way that I wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. Because you
0: didn't constantly feel like you were not enough. That's it. It's like, this is for me and this isn't for me. Yeah. That's great.
2: Yeah. I, I think that's great. I did not have that gym teacher, but no, uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: oh, there were others who were worse.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know that they're still out there.
1: I will say my favorite. My favorite was the gym teacher who I think retired the following year, and so the whole time. Oh no, she didn't even retire. I think she became a vice principal. Anyway, she she just didn't feel like teaching us that year, and so every other class we just played dodgeball the entire period
2: that's a class it's just the dodgeball class yeah no i, I have teenage boys and one of my kids is adamant that there should be a mandatory retirement age for teachers <laughs> Oh. Uh, and, and he thinks it should be probably about 50 i think Interesting. Uh, he, he feels like that uh teachers get a little tired of kids after 20 or 30 years that you know maybe they're not quite as fresh at the end I sure. feel that. Yeah, I can see
1: that for sure. <laughs> yeah, I guess yes. like, you know, when when do you what's the average age that someone moves out of their parents' house? Like 19, 20? Something like that. Well,
2: I don't know. My son's 19 and he's in college, so he uh he was home last week, but in general, he moved out. So, I guess it it depends widely, but he he goes to school in Boston, so. Right.
1: So so yeah. my my theory, my thinking is like maybe teachers should like work for about 20 years. Because that's about how long a parent has to deal with their kid. And and a teacher shouldn't have to deal with 30 kids. I like that. For that. I like
2: that. You get 18 years of parenting, 18 years as a teacher. I mean, I I think, you know, if people could go in and out of careers more easily, you know, you you could be like 35 and think, hey, you know what? I think it'd be cool to go be a teacher.
0: Yeah, 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 and and it, I think it also has an enormous thing to do with the support that the teachers get. Mm-hmm. Like my mom was a teacher and um, loved oh, she it would be and a worked. Great teacher. Oh, she makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Sheila was a good teacher, uh, <laughs> and she she would work so hard and spend so many hours making sure she was prepped for class mm-hmm. and you know all this type of stuff, but then she ended up. Seriously considering early retirement because the changes at the school just led to few, little fewer and fewer support methods for mm-hmm. the teachers, asking more and more of them. So on top of this, like shit, kids are hard. It's like I'm not even being supported
2: whilst I'm trying <laughs> to handle this. So, right, yeah. the kids are getting harder and harder, and the jobs getting harder yeah. and harder. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Right. Well, they need fresh new people coming in that don't know that it used to be better. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Hi, I'm Tefera Jemian, one of the hosts of Yeah, a podcast on the Upford Network. We are talking about young
0: adult literature, reviewing new releases, revisiting old classics, and exploring what the YA genre can teach us at any age. Join me and my co host, Hannah Bailey, as we
2: talk about friendships, dating, family relationships, sexuality, experiences of queerness, body politics, and more through the lens of our favorite YA novels, as well as books we're just
0: discovering. The YA yeah! Podcast, available through the Upford Network and on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and wherever else you find your podcasts. This is our book
2: club, and you're invited.
1: What Mega Man boss would make the most terrifying kaiju? I, for one, want to be the first to welcome our new kaiju overlords. How would Adam Sandler fit in the MCU? I injected myself with the Green Goblin serum. Ooh. Debate This is a podcast that asks the questions about your favorite video games and comics that no one is asking. Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever else you download podcasts. And on social media at Debate This case. None of it's that so is mind so control. Though. It's so close. It's not it's, so
0: close. Topics of high importance. A podcast where we get high and explore food, science, gaming, pop culture, and beyond. Filled with super tangents, forgetful flubs, and that awkward kind of tension that can only be produced by a married couple. Topics of high importance on the Upford Network. Join us, won't you?
1: want to take us to the cash corner?
0: Sure. Welcome to the cash corner, the part of the show where we shamelessly ask you to give us money. It can be really hard to earn a living doing something you love. We've been doing this show for almost four years now, and we're still barely turning a profit. We're all creative people professionally, artists, comics, producers, and we've all had to make sacrifices to do what we're doing. But thanks to kind donations from listeners like you, we're at least able to keep the lights on. Want to help us make this show even better and help make our dreams come true? True. If you pledge as little as a dollar a month to us at patreon.com slash up for discussion, you'll be joining the ranks of the fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendall, Lynn. Oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, (laughs) Kendall and... Kendall, by the way, sweet picture that you posted on Instagram. Uh, Candice, Garlea, Thomas, George, Poppy, who is in my improv level four class. I will say he's super cool. I love him. Uh, Jan, Jillian, Killian, Angie, Sarah, Angelica, Will, and Anne. You'll get early access to bonus content, little behind the scenes updates, and all kinds of other sweet perks as well. And if you give at least $5 a month, you get to submit the Featured Christian question from an episode once per cycle on the show. Today's
1: feature patreon question comes from gabriel <laughs> who asks what's a place you'd like to revisit so places we'd like to revisit i um i was thinking about this um not just in terms of physical locations that i'd like to go back to but also like emotional places that mm. i've been that i'd like to revisit um or at least i i wasn't actively thinking about it this way but i i it occurred to me that that would be a way to take yeah it. interesting um in terms of physical places i freaking love seattle <laughs> Every time oh, I'm in Seattle. <laughs> every time I'm in Seattle I'm like I want to live here. <laughs> and so I'm, you know, honestly like it feels like we just got back from Podcon like 2 months ago or whatever uh-huh. and I I'm already ready for next year.
0: Tell me, tell me all the fantastic things.
1: Seattle is like so I grew up in Vancouver uh-huh. and then in Montreal and Seattle is like like all the best parts of montreal with the weather of vancouver where it like it feels like a a fun kind of like it's it's a big city but it still feels really artsy the way that montreal does Uh um but it's not fucking garbage outside all the time
2: (laughs) (laughs) would you agree (laughs) i don't know i can't i can't compare to vancouver so much but um but i like seattle i think um yeah. We've got good people, good things to do. Um, you miss the winter though. We're, we usually have really mild winters and we had a couple weeks of snow after you were last here. Okay. So, uh, so we weren't really p- expecting that, but, but right. no, it's a great place. I, uh, have never been. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you're invited.
0: <laughs> cool. Thank you. Thank you. Come to PodCon next year. <laughs> yeah, totally. Hopefully if my monies are around <laughs> at that point. Um, I would love to go to Australia again. Yeah, um, I was there for four or five months with my hubby and it was so lovely and the wildlife is just so fantastic to wake up in the morning and just have these like rainbow birds on your balcony <laughs> and, and, and giant cockatoos in the trees and giant bats and all this wonderful Oof. stuff. And people are super nice and, and the weather's nice. And You lost you me know. at giant bats. That's you don't like bats? Scene.
1: Bats creep me out.
0: Nah, man.
1: I hurt my back once uh, jumping out of the way of a bat that was flying toward my face because uh, I forgot that bats don't actually, like, hit Attack things. Attack you? Yeah,
2: yeah no. They how, how do you feel about snakes, though? Because doesn't Australia have some of the worst, biggest, deadliest, whatever they are?
0: You know what? If I could – because it said where would you like to go back to, mm-hmm. and I've right. been to Australia, but I would – like to target new zealand instead because it has all of the loveliness of australia without so much of the deadly creatures right because that shit does scare me it really does and the the weather is just perfect for them and all the kinds of like you're just in a city and there's these giant fucking uh what are they called not wolf spiders or brown spiders but anyways they're just huge and i i yeah i would you're right i would definitely have trouble (laughs) with that yeah yeah well
2: that's cool I, I haven't been to either one but i'll pick new zealand now that i know the difference yeah
0: <laughs> yes highly recommend it
1: i do hear that there's really good coffee culture in australia oh um that like there's just like a lot of cafes going on there and people really care about their coffee oh so that's appealing to me but yeah no i'm not i'm not here for the deadly,
2: deadly animals
1: <laughs> Erica, where do you want to revisit?
2: Well, I think the revisit part of that question is the interesting part because I might have picked Australia too, but I've never been there, so I I can't revisit that place. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to pick France. Um, I have spent a little bit of time. When I was in college, I studied abroad there for a semester Mm. and I just like the culture and um, I think, you know, the French have a good way of living, like the sidewalk cafe, have a glass of wine, have a cup of cappuccino. (laughs) Yeah. I think all of that is a good way to live life. So, um, And in terms of revisiting, I did think about, like, you know, decisions or things that you could revisit. And there was a time in my way, way back when career when I was offered a job to go live anywhere I wanted in Europe for a year to work for the company I was working for. (laughs) Um, I was a product manager, and they said, just go be our international product manager. Go live anywhere you want for a year. And so we toyed with that idea. I, you know, wanted my husband to come with me and take a year off of his residency, which um, didn't really fly very well with, <laughs> yeah. with the residency. So we did not do it. But um, I do look back and, and regret that. I think it would have been awesome to just move to Europe for a year. And I mi- missed out on that. Yeah,
1: that 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 is a really cool opportunity. But that's that's the hard thing about like, caring about people, right? (laughs) Sometimes people (laughs) present you with really cool opportunities and you're like, uh, this would like either, you know, stall my relationships with people here or actively screw over people here. So I'm not going to take this, but it's cool.
2: Right. Yeah. Well, my husband and I, for the four years that he was in, uh, medical school, we were, uh, not living in the same state. So, um, And so this came, you know, maybe two years into our marriage. So it seemed like, oh, wow, we're we're living in the same place again. I should probably not move to France. Yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) I feel like that was a good call. (laughs)
2: It It was it was a good call. If I could have found a way to make it work and have him just like come over with me, we could have hang out there together. Like, I don't know, you got four or five months in Australia with your husband. That sounds awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was really and it was an opportunity thing as well. We'd been together for four like together, together. We weren't married at the time. We'd been together for four months uh, when he got this opportunity to play hockey in, in Australia. And it was like, okay, let's do it. So we just uh, packed up and left. And, and yeah, but yeah. it's not, it's definitely not always a possibility, but Hey, your boys are getting older. I mean,
2: that's true. Yeah. That's true. We've got one in college, one in high school.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So maybe your, your France
2: trip is in the future. <laughs> it is. I'm sure that it is. <laughs> awesome.
0: Would
1: you choose and France you- if, if you could like live anywhere in Europe for a year? would France be your first choice?
2: I think I naturally pick France um, because I speak some French, not well. Uh, I you know haven't spoken it in 20 years or whatever. Um, I've also spent time in Finland and I, I like the Scandinavian countries too. Mm. But I don't know. I don't, you could go live in Greece for a year too and that'd be pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah.
0: yeah, I feel like if I was revisit, revisiting a moment in time, mm. um, when I left... Uh, college which would have been 2005 ish or something I got really pumped about um not doing animation (laughs) which I had studied for (laughs) and just doing my own thing and, and starting my my art business and I was really into it and I I I made like I was making my designing my website, and I had business cards, and I was like, "Yeah, I have a brand," and I'm like, "Something," and then just you know, life. Um, <laughs> but I just wish I could, and I I feel like I'm on the edge of that again. But just being excited about doing things myself and excited Mm. about branding myself and selling myself. Whereas like, I kind of took a nosedive and just went into like, I'm not good enough for anything. But Mm. at that moment, I was saying yes to things. And I was, I was just going at it. Even if I knew that I wasn't entirely qualified, I just did it. So yeah, revisiting that point, that brain spot would be cool.
1: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I, um, I think for me, the, the sort of like emotional revisit, I guess. Um, I had like, I had a point in my life where, you know, I was dropping out of school and then figuring out what I wanted to do with my life. And I was doing a good amount of music at the time, but like, wasn't really enjoying the atmosphere I was doing it in. And I feel like it would be really nice to go back and like, say yes to any of the tons of offers to jam with other people that oh I had cool gotten. yeah yeah um, oh I was, yeah I was so unconfident in myself as a musician at the time that like I would only do music with people who already knew exactly how good I was which meant I would only do music with the person I was doing music with at the time who really wasn't a good bandmate for me like mm-hmm. just didn't treat me well and like I felt like it kind of it, it never was a project that was being taken seriously enough for me mm-hmm. and like there were so many people who wanted to jam with me, wanted to perform with me. And I just kept saying like, oh, like maybe. And then, you know, blowing it off because I was scared to like have them find out I wasn't good enough. Right. And I feel like if I had like trusted my skills or even just been willing to face rejection, potentially, Mm -hmm. then like I could have had a music career, you know, like that could have been a thing that I could have done and like would have been really super fun. And I missed out on that. So,
2: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, maybe maybe you haven't missed
1: out. Well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it, it's just, it doesn't feel like it's not a passion for me anymore in the way that it was back then. Like now mm-hmm. now my thing is, is podcasting and, and running this network and like yeah. that's what's exciting for me. Music is fun and when I do sit down and play music, I always really enjoy it. But like I no longer have this desire to like be in a band you know yeah yeah so I, I think those days are behind me and I'm, I'm pretty okay with that but I do think it would have been a really cool experience to have had
0: But I feel like you're almost doing it like in the new realm of podcasting. But you're saying yes to things. You are you are reaching out to people. You are talking to a bunch of different people now. So that thing that you kind of feel like you missed out on Hmm. might not necessarily be the music because your passion has changed. But you're like you're you're doing it now, man. You're talking to so many people because like Erica was saying earlier about networking and how good and valuable that is to speak to all kinds of different people. So, yeah, you're doing it, man. Yeah.
1: Well, thanks. That's it. That's kind of what it feels like, right, is that, like, I have found uh, a thing that I'm passionate about that I'm good enough at that I can build relationships with people through it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And I think that's ultimately what I felt like I was missing out on when I was doing music was that I wasn't building relationships.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think for me, I think podcasting is, like, my version of writing. So, I think it really is storytelling. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, it's been cool for me to see, like, just going to PodCon and seeing all the different types of podcasts that are out there. Um, I am not really into the RPG world, but wow, <laughs> I, had, I had no idea how many Dungeons and Dragons podcasts there were out there. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know, just seeing like fiction podcasts and business and comedy and all this different stuff, I'm like, oh, you can tell any kind of story on a podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. It really does bring a bunch of different people together because the medium permits you to talk about whatever you want but still be on that same level playing field of like
2: hey you're a human who likes to share his shit yeah. <laughs> you know like, Right exactly yeah and i i do have a podcast uh in the in the pipeline i think i recorded an early version of it but now i want to re-record it but it's um it's just titled saying yes and that was actually a big part of what i did when I decided to go back to work and I was having a hard time interviewing. I thought, you know what? I'm going to say yes to any interview that comes my way. You know, I had some people that wanted to, um, you know, write a story on me and all, all this different stuff, a lot of which made me really uncomfortable. Um, but so much came out of that Amazing. time. Yeah. Thing. So I met, I met you at PodCon and here I am. Yeah, so.
1: exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's it. I, I, I think about that a lot. Cause like PodCon last year was like, you know, I was there as a fan. Uh, I mean, I was, you know, I've been doing this for years, but I wasn't there in a networking capacity. Um, right. And for me last year was really about like, okay, let's learn what's going on in this world. Like, mm-hmm. let's sort of start to feel like part of the community. And this year, you know, going sort of for work, if you really think about it, um, was was really cool because I got to sort of, yeah, like I like you were saying, like you you really get a sense of like, what is out there, what people are doing, what people are asking for. Like, I, <laughs> I was asking everyone who came to the table who they were excited to see that weekend, right? Oh, right, yeah. Because, um, you know, I was there representing a network, which meant I couldn't just tell people about one project, right? Like, I had to be ready to tell people about anything that I thought they would be interested in uh-huh. uh, so I had to ask like you know what are what are you excited about and 90% of people were there for like one RPG or like fantasy podcast oh yeah either, and the other 10% were there to see like the McElroy brothers and I was like okay cool uh we don't have RPGs
2: <laughs> <laughs> well I, I was like oh my gosh I didn't know I was supposed to wear a costume yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't it's, have wings, I don't have a sword, anything.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely feel underdressed every time I'm at something like this.
0: I didn't realize it would have that kind of I mean, I've seen uh, because of the art comic world of million comic cons with right. wings and swords and all that shit, but I didn't think they would have that at Podcon.
1: Yeah, well that's the thing. There's there's some like extremely popular like like actual play role-playing kind of, you know, oh. D&D or, or, you know, things like D&D podcasts and like, you know, despite them being in an audio format, I guess they're, the characters end up being popular enough that people figure out what they would look like and then wow. dress as them.
2: That's cool. Yeah.
0: So, so
1: well, that's something I, we should do I eventually.
2: Po- I think PodCon's also known for being like more fan focused than yeah. other, um, like, you know, podcasting, I don't know what the big one is in Orlando or, you know, other podcasting conventions. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It it, it did feel very like, it felt like a good place for fans. That's like it was, great. It was nice that like, you know, I've been listening back to all of the sort of remote attendance, uh, recordings from workshops and panels and stuff. And like, it's really nice how much content there was like geared toward creators. But at the end of the day, like it is such a like fan experience, you know?
2: Mm -hmm. Right. And I went, I, you know, I knew that it was pretty fan focused when I looked at it, but I thought it's in my backyard. And if you look at it, there was definitely a creator track. Like there were more creator classes than I could even attend, which is a good reminder that I was going to go back and listen to those. And I haven't done that yet.
1: I've been uh I've I've got the RSS feed for it on my phone, so every time they edit a new one and upload it, it just goes straight to my feed. It's been uh oh,
2: it's
0: well,
1: been nice. Yeah. Idea. I
2: don't I don't think I've done that, so I'll have to do that.
1: Yeah, I it was hard to set up, but but it's doable for sure.
2: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good to know.
1: Good to know. Cool. Uh well I think we have time for like a question from the turtle's butt before we wrap up, shall we?
0: I will reach in there sweet it's a it's a plush don't worry uh erica okay. okay. thoroughly confused by what's going on
2: <laughs> well my next door neighbor her daughter just showed me her turtle which i didn't know they had a turtle but i i, I got to check out a real live turtle last sweet. week nice what glad it, to know this one's plush what was its butt like uh, you know it, it it was just kind of a he had a little tail thing there i yeah. don't feel like i don't feel like you could reach in it but you know that, that, <laughs> no, exactly that's, I don't think he was hiding anything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, so our question is from Sarah Angelica from our Patreon, who asks, How has your current type of humor come about? How was your humor shaped?
1: Hmm. Whoa. Oh, man. Uh, so I, it's it's easy enough for me to figure this one out, because my sense of humor depends entirely on what I'm listening to at any given time. Okay. <laughs> uh, or actually, that's not that true anymore. It did for a long time. Um, and... And I think the things that I find really funny, uh, I could, like, point at, like, two or three, like, podcasts. And it would be, like, My Brother, My Brother and Me, Dynamic Banter, and, like, okay, two podcasts, I guess. Right, yeah. Um, <laughs> but but I think the major influence for me on my sense of humor the past while has actually just been Teffer. Um, oh, wow. We started living together, you know, a year and a half ago. And, like, when you spend a lot of time with someone who you like a lot and you... You know who makes you laugh. Your sense of humor tends to like change with them, right?
0: Uh A little bit. Um, So yeah, I think that's it for me. It's it's those two podcasts and her. Cool. Yeah, I was always a a goofy kid. I mean, my parents got divorced when I was seven, so that that is always a a nice fuel for comedy (laughs) in a child's life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, and my father was always very very expressive. So he and and, and making jokes and physical jokes and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. So I think I got that from him. Two older brothers uh being and I was very small so that kind of forces you to be goofy as well and right. loud and and um and then as I grew older uh being the only anglo in school um I think that influenced it as well because like making people laugh was a way to be accepted right um and then with, with doing improv I think I developed a cocky humor of getting on stage and just being a badass for right. a few minutes um so there's such changed. a like,
1: cockiness to the to the humor at Montreal Prep, isn't there
0: yeah yeah I think it it's possibly influenced just by the the dudes that uh run the place <laughs> you know and, and seeing like confidence on stage and just being like hey I can I can have swagger yeah. you know so I think that I, I've moved from goofy to swagger and now it's like a combination of both yeah that sounds good
2: I I was going to take a hard pass on this because (laughs) I I don't view myself in the comedy world whatsoever, but uh, I guess what comes to mind is um, you know, not my, not my, what I don't remember exactly what the question was, but whatever it was, I didn't have an exact answer to that. Um, But in terms of, you know, what I like from a comedy perspective, you know, I'm surrounded by teenage boys. So, you know, if it's like, hey, let's watch a movie. I'm like, oh my God, really? You want to watch Step Brothers? Or, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, Uncle Drew was the show that was proposed last night. And they're like, no, no, I think you'd really like it. It has like old basketball players in it, you know, from like, I don't know, the 90s or something. And I was like, no, I don't think I really am into that. So, <laughs> uh, but but what I do like is, uh, you know, the late night shows that, Give us our news with a dose of comedy because, you know, sometimes the real news is too hard to actually listen to. So a a comedic version of that, I'm really loving. Like John Oliver and people like him. Yeah,
1: yeah. John Oliver is great. Awesome. I really, I miss like old school Colbert. Like. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. me too.
2: Yeah. You know, I saw Colbert uh, in Vancouver once. Uh, He was, I don't know if you were, you're probably too young to have even remembered these olympics but when when were the olympics in vancouver like i don't know 10 years ago or something something like um, that yeah and didn't colbert sponsor like the canadian oh speed skating team or something like that
1: something like that yeah he, he he sponsored someone i remember this
2: yeah he he decided that somehow i think i i want to say it was the women's speed skating team he decided that they didn't have you know enough funding or whatever so he was gonna come in and wow um, <laughs> staged all these like crazy very old school Colbert uh you know just uh, like on the side of the you know just out on the street he'd like stage all these rallies and whatnot so that was pretty entertaining awesome
1: yeah yeah no definitely I I love a good pundit yeah you know someone who can who can take the current things that are going on that are maybe harder to deal with and harder to process and like mine them for like humanity and also do it in a way that's like biting and fun uh-huh
2: well and I, I think if you get more people to pay attention to what's really going on by making it entertaining yeah that, yeah that's, that's a win totally
0: yeah,
1: absolutely
2: but I, I
0: do want to point out that um you did make a funny several times in the show actually but one particular one of just noting that uh you didn't don't think that you could have reached into the turtle's butt uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that made me laugh oh, thank you, <laughs> no, thank you. I, I will take that and Good. i will
2: you know, I would love to take an improv class. Like, uh, you know, I don't know. I love Amy Poehler and Tina Fey yeah. and all those people. And I think, you know, there's improv places in Seattle. I should try that one day. Oh yeah.
1: yes, do it! Definitely. It's so much fun. I'm gonna challenge you. Do it. Do it. Do it in 2019.
2: Do it in 2019. Okay, I will email you when I do it. Sweet,
1: <laughs> sounds perfect.
2: Awesome. <laughs> and I think, and I like that you give me a year to do it. I, I, I like had this instant fear that you were going to say, "Do it in the next 30 days."
1: Oh God, no! <laughs> <laughs> I can't even tell myself that I'm going to like remember to put out the garbage in the next 30 days. So I'm not going to give someone else a 30 day challenge. <laughs>
2: Okay, good. Good, good. Yeah, we, didn't put, we didn't put ours out last night. So it's okay if you miss a week.
1: <laughs> but it's not okay if you miss two. Oh, no. <laughs> well, that brings us to the end of our show for this week. If you guys like this episode, consider supporting us on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You get to have your question in the turtle's butt and our $5 plus patrons get to ask the featured question, which we spend a little more time on. We also have merch that uh, I think is on sale. Yes, tomorrow through the 24th. So uh, go buy a t-shirt for cheaper than you would have to. I guess don't buy it today. Buy it tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're listening on the 20th. Um, You can also support us for free by leaving a rating and review on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. Seriously, if this is the first time you're listening to the show and you enjoyed it and got this far, take like two seconds to leave us a review. It goes a long way. Uh, you can also share this episode with a friend who is making a fresh start. Mm, uh, yes, yes. Maybe someone you'd like to spend five months in Australia with.
0: Oh, <laughs> or climb a rope with.
1: Ooh, share this with your elementary school gym teacher. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, might, I might actually do that. Uh, yeah, you can follow us on Twitter at Down with Talking. And individually, I'm at Tom and I'm at Red Random.
0: Erica, do you have a, twi- a Twitter account for
1: the pod
2: or yourself? I do. I, I do. Ready, pause, go.
1: Sweet. Uh, Is there anything we want to plug while we're here? Bearing in mind this comes out on March 19th.
2: I don't have anything um, that's date related, but I'm at com or on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. Sweet.
0: Yeah, definitely go check her out. She's doing cool stuff. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm definitely going to give that a listen. Trying to boost okay. myself. Boost myself.
1: Uh, no shows coming up, Kate.
0: I don't know anymore, Tom. I'm so <laughs> confused. I feel you.
1: Um, I want to plug uh, Blasting Off Again, which is the uh, not that new anymore, but still fairly new Pokemon podcast that I'm doing with Will Grant. Uh, we dissect Pokemon and do in-depth analysis of like the ethical problems that come up in it, and it's nonsense, and oh, it's great. So I would love to out. be
0: on it. I just wish I knew Pokemon more. Mm-hmm. I, just, I would just be a blank the whole time. I would That's give a- you... I
1: think <laughs> there's room for that. <laughs> uh, cool. Special thanks to Crackers and Jam for letting us use the title track off their EP Benson as our theme music. You can find all their music for sale at crackersandjam.bandcamp.com.
0: This show is produced and edited by Tom Zolat and I That's for the Upford Network. You can find out about all our great shows at UpfordNetwork.com. See you next week. It's going to see you. Benson Joe. Benson ja, Benson ja do do